My beloved in Jesus Christ, our Lord, I'm going to stay back here. We've had another parish in our Pacific Northwest that is now quarantined because of um, the virus or exposure, and so they haven't had services uh, this week, and they won't have it through the weekend. And on that note, I think to myself, what a way to end 2020. And this, sun, this feast is not about the, the new year or anything uh, but I can't help but reflect on that. And as I was listening to that, the Old Testament readings, particularly the second one, and then our gospel reading, the second reading, I thought, oh Lord, I just want to be crawled up into your lap, into the bosom of Abraham, and rest. You know, I just... And so when I use my pea brain and I look back at the, this past year, I, I, I see, oh... There's been a lot of heartache and agony and difficulty. I'm sure all of you feel that way. And when I use my simple little brain and I look forward to it, I go, oh boy, things don't look like they're starting off any better. But then I look at it with my heart. And I look back and I see, you know, there's a lot of beautiful things that happened this past year. I married several couples. I buried several people. And even that is a beauty had many beautiful conversations, and I look forward to what's coming. And every day I get closer to our Lord. Every day I get just one step, I pray one step closer to my salvation. One more opportunity to pray. One more opportunity to be in this little church and receive the holy gifts. Just one more day. Just one more day. And as I look and listen to the gospel in our feast today that we're celebrating the circumcision of our Lord, and I listen to the, to the gospel readings, particularly the first one, I give thanks to God that I was born. Even in these challenging times, and these are nothing compared to what other uh, generations have gone through, my life hasn't been threatened. I haven't been thrown into a good gulag or anything like that. I just have to wear a mask. But I think back and I go, okay, Lord, you've gave me this body. You gave me this body to worship you. But what does that really mean? What is it about my body? And then I listen to the gospel today and I go, my gosh, that's everything. Christ wasn't, didn't come down in spirit to save us. In the Old Testament, he worked upon all the people and through the spirit exterior to all of them, prompting them to bring about the things that came about prompting the prophets to speak what they're going to speak, prompting Moses to write what he was going to write, prompting the kings to do this and those to do that. But it was all exterior to the body. And then on the feast, as I said, on Christmas, I see what, with what great dignity that the human person has. That our God, the incarnate Word, took on a body. And it didn't take on a supercharged body that isn't like you and I, that can never know corruption, that can never know death. He took on a body that could suffer. He took on a body that could be tormented, that could be tortured, and that could be killed. As it says in Hebrews, he underwent everything that we did, or we do, everything, but he didn't sin. We are created mind and body, right, and spirit. 
We are creating the image and likeness of God. And as a result of our own will, our own wants, our own desires, we brought corruption and sinfulness into the world and death because of it. But that God of ours didn't act the way I would act, but act in a manner of complete love and says, I am going to restore you. And not just to the where you were, but I'm going to make you better than you were. And I'm going to give you a dignity that you didn't even have then. I'm not going to let you just walk with me in the garden, but I'm going to graft you onto me. You're going to share in my divine nature. You're going to eat not just the, the, the fruits and stuff that grow around the Garden of Eden. You're going to eat the very tree of life, me. The fathers of the church were always defending our Lord's humanity. Remember, there was only one heresy, the Arian heresy, that said that he wasn't divine of the same essence of the Father. All the rest had to do with his humanity. How could God become man? How could God lower himself and be someone like you and I? Subject to the corruption of death. But our God did. Because he couldn't just act upon us. To bring about the change he needed to bring about in us, he had to go into the very core of who we are. Become what we are. In all our messiness, he had to take it all upon himself. He had to bear all our sins. Then he had to take that and die. And then bring about our new life through resurrection. So as we look at the feast today, at the feast of the circumcision of our Lord, we see that this divine child was a very human boy. And he followed the precepts of the law just as all the other Jewish boys did of his day and the generations before him down to the time of Abraham when it was given. But this little boy would change that circumcision into baptism and which would bring about our complete change. But for now, circumcised, he is identified as the son or as the, the people of God. It had a sacramental character to it. It meant you were initiated into the, into the community of God, the people of God. But that wouldn't bring about the salvation. And this little child would bring about the change that would end circumcision and bring about that change that would be needed later on. But he was a little boy, eight days old. Joseph named him Jesus, took him into his home as his own son, and raised him. And we see this boy, this real boy, was raised in a Jewish household, and who would go up to the feast with his parents, as other Jewish boys did. But as this young man starts to grow and mature in age and wisdom and the knowledge of God, and it notice it says he grows. At the beginning of the part about his being 12 years old, he's growing. At the end, he's talking about he's growing. Jesus is a boy turning into a man, and he's growing in wisdom and knowledge and the stature of God, it says. 
He's growing as a human being. He has to undergo everything you and I have to go through so that He can make us into Himself, graft us on. And so this is a celebration of hope for us. That you and that I are worth saving. That we have value. That we have dignity. That we have pride of place in the, angel, in the heavenly kingdom. Not just here on earth, but above the cherubim and seraphim. Because this little boy would take our nature and put it at the right hand of the Father where we'll always be. Above the seraphim and cherubim and all the principalities, powers, and etc. This is our dignity. And this is His love for us that He has come to show. And the divine life that shined through this child as he grew and developed and became a man and preached the Word of God and walked among us and taught us many things that the entire world couldn't contain all the books to record them, as he did all these things, as he suffered for us, as he died for us in the flesh, he rose again in the flesh, ascended into heaven in the flesh. And there brings about our salvation. And so that circumcision now would be changed to baptism, where it would not just be an exterior sign, but an interior change. The very core of who you and I are, when we go through that font of our own death and resurrection in Christ, becomes recreated, changed, made new. And now we are Christians. And the light of all of this shines forth to all the saints that have gone since then. Because the reality and the truth of it all penetrated the hearts of men and women throughout the ages since then. One such man we celebrate also on this day, St. Basil the Great. A man who had seven, counting himself, seven saints from that family. Seven Basil was a well-educated man, studied the philosophies, but realized the folly of it and found Christ. Then he would apply all that he had learned, everything he had developed through his own prayer life, and apply that force to the changing of the world and furthering the gospel. And he would write fervorously, feverishly, especially on the Trinity, it wasn't enough just to write and to preach. He was a ferocious preacher. But also he would build hospitals, orphanages, and many other things to help those around him, to help the people of God. Because he was trying to follow what Jesus said. What you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. St. Basil wasn't just trying to imitate Christ. He was trying to be Christ, allowing Christ to work through him. Of course, he was quite a forceful character. Even one of his best friends, 
St. Gregory the theologian had difficulty sometime with his forcefulness. But St. Gregory the theologian respected him immensely and would follow the directions that St. Basil would give him. But he was a man driven with the passion of Christ. The same zeal, the same energy, the same grace rings through to us, to you and I today. The same Eucharist that St. Basil consumes is the same Eucharist you and I consume. And we can see how in tuned he was into the humanity of Jesus and his divinity in the manner that he wove the anaphora together that we're about to pray this evening. How he wove together the whole of salvation history. Talking about our fall and yet not being left alone. Our fall and yet being elevated into the sons and daughters of God. So when I think of this feast and the great glory that God has given you and I as a human being, taking on our humanity as He did, I give thanks. And I gain strength because I don't care what the future holds in our world today, what anybody does that has control over power or anything. I could care less. What matters is that I need to grow as close to Christ as I possibly can. The only thing that matters is that I become holy. Jesus himself did not go to Rome. He did not confront Caesar. He confronted Caesar indirectly through love, kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. That's how the world is changed in the world that he wants. And he says, I am not of this world, neither are you. He is the king of another world. And that's where we're destined to be. But to participate in that, we have to live here and now in a life that reflects where we're going. Live with that courage and fortitude and conviction as St. Basil. And give thanks to God that you and I were created. That we are created in such a manner that God would become like us. So that we could become like Him. This is a God of absolute love. And it's beyond our comprehension to even figure out why He would do it to us, for us. We deserve nothing. We deserve to just go into annihilation because of our sinfulness. But He sees something deeper within us. He sees Himself. And as you who are baptized and chrismated, He sees His Son, born of a virgin, circumcised on the eighth day gone to the temple on the feast when he was 12 years old and went to the Jordan to be baptized as he was turning the age of 30. He was a real human being who was also real God. And he came so that we might have life and have it to the full.